Hi, this is Marty McFly, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Boy, oh boy, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a good podcast. Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, and I am your host, Peter. For today's coverage of the 1988 comedy fantasy Scrooged, I am joined by Jay of Jay's Movie Talk. How you doing, Jay? Doing good, Pete. I'm doing good, and I'm glad to be a part of this episode. Yeah, well, thank you for uh, coming back. Uh, you have been on this show uh, numerous times, and also, you and I, we host the Walking Dead edition at TV 8 My Brain Together. That is correct. That is correct. And it won't be back until February. So Yeah, you know, take its time. You can you know yeah. it can take its time. <laughs> no no need to hurry back. I don't think anybody's in demand really for our coverage for that for that show there. But um yeah, uh Scrooge. This is a uh this is gonna be our Christmas episode uh for this year. And before we get into the actual movie, I just wanna talk about some of the things um, that were hot at the time. So the number one song, uh, November 23rd, uh, 1988 is actually when it, the movie came out. The number one song was Bon Jovi's Bad Medicine. Bad Medicine. Do you know um, that one? Never heard of it. Okay. I, it, I Again, I say this every time, but it's one of those, I'm sure if I play it, I'll hear it. Um, I mean, Bon Jovi, I'm not a huge fan. Obviously, I know, like, his really big hits. And I'm sure this one, like, the name doesn't quite, like, you know, uh, remind me of the song. But if I heard it, I'm sure I'd I'd know it. Uh, It was number one for two weeks at that time. And also some of the movies that came out the same month as this. Uh, High Spirits, which is also a movie I covered uh, on this show. It it only came out a week before Scrooge, so that's mm. very interesting. Um, a personal favorite of mine, The Land Before Time. It's been a long time since I've actually seen that. Land yeah. Before Time. Littlefoot, yeah. uh, Petrie, uh, Sarah, right? The Triceratop. Uh, Who else was there? Uh, Duck, Ducky was also one. Yeah, like I said, it's been a long time. Yeah, so yeah, just names. go with it. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever <laughs> yeah. you say, Peter. <laughs> right, that's right. Uh, the first Child's Play also came out this month. Why? Wait, it did come out. Yes. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah, because wow. he was a present for uh, little Andy. Yeah. Yeah, Jeez. his mom bought him the uh, the Chucky doll. So, uh, Iron Eagle 2, not a series I got into. I think I saw at least the first movie. And there was yeah, like four I, of them or something? Or? I, yeah, I tapped out after the first movie. <laughs> I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not a, not a favorite. The other movie, I guess, kind of worth mentioning, Cocoon, The Return, also came out that month. So not a strong month, I don't think, you know, of the movies that I kind of mentioned. Oh, Ernest yeah. Saves Christmas also came out. I've never seen that one. But I feel Child's Play... The Land Before Time, Oliver and Company, I didn't mention that, but that also came out, and Scrooge are probably the only ones that are still kind of, maybe not in rotation, but I think are the ones that people still kind of remember. Well, I, I, I probably would say the, maybe Scrooge around you know this time of the year and Child's Play are probably the biggest ones. I mean, mainly Child's Play, really, because, I mean, it's a... It's a classic horror movie, so right. You know, yeah, was, your uh, classic uh, slasher flick. Yeah, and then plus, I mean, you got a freaking three foot 
uh, well, not even three feet. I don't even know. I don't think it was three feet. You probably more like a foot two, and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> yeah, something like that. You know, yeah, with shoes. Yeah, on. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe a foot and a half, two feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he was wearing heels or something, Chucky so, with heels. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so, that, that comes in uh, the, the fifth movie, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah well, or, or, or fourth, I guess. I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't well, know Child's Play. <laughs> yeah, we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> no, we're not. So what we are here to talk about is Scrooge. So this was directed by uh, our favorite director, Richard Donner. A uh, little inside joke there because uh, the first time we worked together was a Richard Donner flick, um, Superman 2, which you actually joined me on Original Remake where we covered both Superman movies, the Richard Donner and the Richard Lesser movie. And then yes. you came back for... Angels in the Outfield, but did we do something else that that was Richard Donner? Um, I, I shoot, at, right now I can't even really remember. I don't think so. I, I'm gonna say no, but I could be wrong. Pro- probably not. Um, I know I've done a couple of his movies uh, on this podcast with with my son Phoenix. Um, but okay this movie it came out uh, again 1988 this is rated PG-13 it's a modern take on Charles Dickens A Christmas Carol right so you got your lead uh, Bill Murray who plays Frank uh, aka Francis Cross Uh, the love interest in here is Claire Phillips played by Karen Allen we also got um, Alfred Woodard playing his secretary Grace Cooley Bobcat Goldthwait plays Elliot Loudermilk, who is a a colleague of his, I guess, at this uh, TV network that they work at called IBC. Who else well, we got? Uh, yeah, no, I was gonna say uh, Elliot. I thought I thought he worked for um, um, Frank. He, he he was an employee of his. Yeah, I for me. I don't know, because Elliot is also in that meeting, you know, at that table. So I just kind of assumed that they were like colleagues. It, it, clearly, Frank is like the boss, like the head. And yeah, I, mean, I, yeah. I, I don't think they have like a like an equal or not equal, but like as far as um, hierarchy. I, I didn't think they were equal in that manner. But, you know, yeah, they work for him, but like he, he he's the one that's calling the shot. So I don't know. Maybe colleague wasn't the right word to use. It is fine, but okay. I always, right. always, always kind of looked at it as that he was um, like Frank was the the lead. He probably was more of the senior, you know, more experienced one. So he was kind of the lead over the team and whatnot. And everybody was kind of just reported to him. You know I like I mean? that. Yeah, there we go. That's why you're on the show. All right. So we also got uh, Lionel Luther. I mean, I'm sorry, John Glover as Bryce Cummings, who is not really like a. Uh, um, not a competitor in a sense, but he is basically kind of gunning for uh, Frank's position, right? Yeah, he he was real swarmy in this movie, you know. I, I mean, I I think that's the guy you want, though. You want a swarmy guy, you get John Glover. Well, yeah, well, especially back at that time. Yeah, back at that time, especially. Yeah, uh, you know your um, uh, what was that movie? Gremlins Two. I think he played a very similar role as well. Yeah. Uh, so. We got three ghosts, right? The Ghost of Christmas Past was played by David Johansson, uh, uh, Carol Kane. Yes. Well, I was just gonna say, I, I I refuse to refer to him as David Johansson. He's a uh, Buster Poindexter. Okay, I I've heard of that name, not familiar with it. You don't know the song of um, Feeling Hot, Hot, Hot? Oh, is that him? Yeah, that's him. Oh, okay. 
yeah, I do know that song. Well, there you go. The, the more you know. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Uh, Carol Kane, a lot of us know her from The Princess Bride. She plays the ghost of Christmas uh, present. Uh, she is also, it, um, well, she was on Gotham. Yeah, that's, that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, Richard Mitchum plays Preston Rhinelander, and he is the, what is he, like the CEO or something? Yeah, he, uh, I think he, it, it seemed like he took over. The president? Um, yeah, he, he took over and became, like, in charge after, um, I mean, we're going to mention him in the cast too, but um, John Forsythe character of uh, right. Lou, Lou ha- uh, Hayward, you know, after he died or whatnot. He ta- or, Zombie. Yeah, he takes over after he, because I guess he was like second under him, so he takes over. Right, and uh, obviously this movie has a, a long list of characters, including cameos too. Um, yes. I'm not going to go down the list. Why don't you uh, throw out some of the names that you remember uh, of, of celebrities that made cameos? Well, um, off the top of my head, um, we got to mention a couple of, um, well, one particular, um, Bill Murray brother, uh, Brian Doyle Murray. He shows yep. up. Um, he plays um, Frank's father in the past. Yep. Uh, also, uh, Michael J. Pollard. He he's an employee, you know, and he he he's basically like, well, no, he played. He's not an employee. He, well, he was an employee. He got fired a long time ago. He was homeless. By the time we see him in the movie, uh, you you mentioned Brian Doyle Murray. Also, Joel Murray um, uh, is um, a lesser known Murray brother. He plays a a uh, I guess a party guest at the other Murray, uh, John Murray. That is who plays James. His uh, real life brother plays his uh, on screen brother in this movie as well. Uh, the the younger one. So four Murrays yeah. in this movie. Yeah, just, you know, the whole family got involved, it seemed like, for this movie. They really did. And I guess we'll just kind of leave it right there. And, you know, as we kind of, you know, discuss it, I'm sure we will talk about, like, some of the the people who played these characters. So, uh, Jay, is this a movie that you kind of grew up watching? Like, what what is your history or, like, how often do you watch this movie? It it is a movie I grew up watching. Um, I can't say exactly the very first time that I watched uh, Scrooge, but I know I've watched it since I was a kid. Um, and it was always a favorite of mine. I mean, I was a big Bill Murray fan when I was a kid. Pretty sure, like a lot of other people around, you know, our age or whatnot, you know, growing up, you know, watching Bill Murray movies and stuff like that. So, you know, Bill Murray. Um, and because ironically, it's actually his. This movie for me is actually one of my favorite Bill Murray movies. Um, I, I can't really explain why, but for some reason, I just really enjoy this movie. Like anytime it's on or whatnot, I'll watch it and everything like that. So, Yeah, I mean, it, it's a very simple movie. If you are familiar with A Christmas Carol, that's what this is. You know, it's just a modern yeah. take on it. But, you know, maybe it's something that um, we as an audience can relate to. You know, Frank is a guy who works for a TV network. Well, we we watch TV. You know, we can relate to this guy. Uh, as far as, like, the other Christmas Carol movies goes, those are kind of period period movies. You know, a little hard to relate to those characters. You know, they're old and they're grouchy. This guy, we know. We know from Saturday Night Live. We know him from Ghostbusters. That's probably what you were referring to as far as growing up watching, you know, Bill Murray movies. 
I was never really a huge fan of Bill Murray. Now, when he came out with things, that didn't deter me, but it's just I wasn't going out there saying, I need to watch this next Bill Murray movie. I can you know, probably tell you three or four movies of his that I actually just watched, uh, not on the regular, but are like the only four movies that I ever really watched of his. And like the other ones, I can leave it or take it kind of deal. Hmm. But uh, with, no, I was gonna say, you care to uh, share share those names? Like no, I mean like Groundhog's Day. You know, uh, it is one of my faves. Uh, this one, obviously, uh, Ghostbusters. Um, you know, I don't uh, Zombieland. You know, uh, that's a, that's a bit of a reach, but that's more if it's on TV. But you know, I, I don't watch um, Caddyshack. You know, I've seen it; it's fine, what? but it's. Whoa. What? Wait, wait. I've seen the movie. I I don't I don't really care for it. You know, it's 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 fine. It's it's whoa, Caddyshack. Wait a whoa 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Caddyshack is one of my favorite comedies. Okay. It really well, is. congratulations. You know. <laughs> I mean, I will say this. It's mainly because of Rodney Dangerfield is why I love Caddyshack. Because I mean, I swear he ad lived all his lines in that movie. Um. So, but yeah. I mean, I I can see why someone probably wouldn't be a huge fan of Caddyshack. I mean, it's just a bunch of randomness that somehow ties together in the end, but... Yeah, yeah, no, it, okay. it's fine. But, you know, Caddyshack is a movie that I watched a little bit later uh, in my... I don't even remember when I first saw it, but when I saw it, I was like, okay, you know, I, I can see why people like this. You know, it's a star-studded cast. You, if you love these people, you probably love this movie. But for me, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, it's 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 good. I, I had a couple laughs here and there. In some scenes, I was just like, nah, you know, yeah. okay. Yeah, it's, it's all it is. Um, let me see what else other Bill Murray movies. I, I didn't care for Lost in Translation, you know. No, it's I, well, I haven't ca- seen it. kind of boring, so. actually. So, um, yeah. I, I saw, uh, was that Loose Change? Is is that, that's the title, right? Where he's like a, a clown and then he robs a bank. I heard of that one, but I never actually saw it. So I think that's the title. I I've seen it one time, and I watched it because it was also somebody's favorite, you know, and they recommended it to me, and I checked it out. I go, okay, you know, it's cool. It's you know, he acted well. It was decently written, you know. I was like, it's fine, you know. So okay. that's just kind of where I'm at with with Bill Murray. Like he he wasn't one of my favorite Ghostbusters, so maybe that's why I wasn't, you know, like. Um, I, was, I don't want to say I didn't care, you know, for his movies. Well, okay, well, let me ask you this. Was Ray your favorite? No, no. My favorite was Egon. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, Egon was my favorite. Uh, but you know what, though? My favorite Peter Venkman was actually the animated uh, version, actually. Hmm, okay. Yeah. I mean, I used to watch yeah. the, you know, the anime. I even watched the extreme Ghostbusters, too, so... Yeah, okay, see, I didn't go that far. <laughs> but uh, let's reel it back to uh, Scrooge here. So, um, okay, we talked a little bit about uh, how often do you watch this movie? You said almost every year? Yeah, I mean, because it's, you know, especially around this time of the year, you know, I mean, I don't own it, but if it's on AMC or something like that or, you know, whatnot, if it's on or whatnot, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, like when I was younger, I actually owned it on VHS, which, of course, is like, what is that for anyone who's listening who don't know what a VHS is, right? Um, I, I think I think most of us do, you know, the podcasters and uh, podcast listeners, we're all roughly the same age, give or take, you know, five, ten years. Yeah, but still, I mean, you know, there's, there's a few that, you know, don't know what a VHS is, but, um, <laughs> so, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I try to watch it, you know, as often as possible. Cause like I say, it is a favorite of mine. It's, it's one that I don't know. It's some, for some reason it kind of catch me in the feels. So, you know, yeah, it, I, I, yeah. I, I can see what you mean by that. Uh, for me, like I don't watch it every year. However, I do remember when I was younger, this used to be on TV all the time around Christmas time. You know, this would be on a uh, home alone Christmas story and all that. And this just was one of my favorite ones. And whatever, for whatever reason, you know, maybe uh, I, I had kids. And, you know, like when when you start having kids, you start watching things that they want to watch. You know, it's it, so sometimes movies don't hold up and they can't get into it, yeah. you know. And I don't know, Scrooge might have been one of those that was a little too dark. And, you know, maybe my son didn't get into it. And I kind of had fallen off. But... I went back and revisited this movie. Matter of fact, I actually bought it on Blu-ray uh, for the review. And uh, so after watching it again, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to save my thoughts for the end of the movie. Okay. So so uh, let's get into this. Uh, Frank Cross, uh, again, we mentioned that he plays uh, like this arrogant executive who works for a TV network called IPC. And in the beginning of this movie, you know, we kind of um, teased it a little bit, but they have this meeting and they're kind of going over like Christmas promos that they're going to be airing. And they're pretty, I don't want to say violent. Violent is not the right word. One of them seems to be a little violent, but they're really off the beaten path kind of kind of promos. They're, they're not like the ones that you would typically actually play around Christmas time. Yeah, it's stuff that you wouldn't see on a actual network to promote Christmas or whatnot. I mean, you got one with like Lee Major, you know, holding like a, some sort of like automatic rifle, and it's I forget the title, but it was something <laughs> something about slaying reindeers or something. Yeah, it was like what the hell is this? Like I say, I I guess they just you know. I want to say that probably Richard Donner, he just wanted to go kind of off the cuff with this and just go over the top or something like that. Because there's no way that... Because I always put in terms of like, you know, as far as a real type of commercial, we, we would not see anything like that on TV for Christmas. We would not. No, not unless it was like uh, Saturday Night Live or something. Yeah, well, yeah, that'd probably be the closest. But for like a Which, real... Which I think the the movie was actually written by writers from Saturday Night Live. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, okay. You know that that might explain a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, I I didn't mention this, and I I didn't know this uh, until you know basically researching for this movie. Uh, but Danny Elfman scored it as well, and I don't think I ever really thought about it, just because maybe I knew it was a Richard Donner movie. And I'm just like, well, you know, the thematically, like this movie, uh, the music just fits the movie. And then, like having seen that Danny Elfman scored it, I'm like, you know what? I wouldn't have guessed to be honest with you because I don't think it's like like a Tim Burton, Danny Elfman type sound. You know, yeah. This, this one's actually a little bit different. Um, and I don't have like an example to give, but I, I was actually kind of surprised. Okay. Hmm. Well, I, I didn't know that either. Um. And like you say, because Danny Elfman, he pretty much has a distinct sound. So, right. Yeah. So with this, yeah, 
it doesn't sound like anything that he normally would do. But what's kind of funny about that you bring up Danny Elfman and, and um Tim Burton is that I don't know if you know or not that Bill Murray actually auditioned for the Joker in Batman eighty nine. I don't think I knew that, no. Yeah. That's that's why there there's a line later in the movie, like toward the end, where uh John Glover he was like, Who who is this Joker? In regards to oh. Bill Murray. So it was like a, it was a joke at that, yeah. Okay. Uh we so we talked about Elliot Loudermilk. Now uh he's the only one that actually has the balls to go to Frank and he's like, you know what, I don't think we should be showing this uh type of you know, type of material here on, on, on the screen. And and Frank has him fired. He tells Grace, yeah, call security. Uh, fires this guy. Uh, what is this, Christmas Eve? I don't remember. I, I think it is. It's either Christmas Eve or the day before. That uh, is what I think it is. Okay. So uh, what, what do you think about Elliot's character? Well, I mean, it's basically Bobcat being Bobcat. Just he, in the beginning, he's a little more reserved. You know, as as far as Bobcat goes, you know, as he as his kind of persona goes or whatnot. But toward the end of the movie, he's full on Bobcat go with, <laughs> you know, he's just over the top. So yeah, like um, Bobcat at the end is more what we're familiar with from like the Police Academy movies, right? Where he's playing Zed. Yeah. But you're right. The, in the beginning, I do like his character. You know, he's he's clean shaven. He's got short hair. He's wearing glasses. He's got like that V neck. Uh, um, vest going, you know, hey, looking like a, he's business. Uh, yeah, business he's looking man. nice. He's looking nice, you know, cleaned so, up. So yeah, Elliot cleans up really nice. But yeah, gets fired on Christmas Eve, uh, I think it is, and it's kind of crazy because like throughout this movie, there's this theme of him not being able to get that drink. You know, like it, it, he he keeps getting his liquor stolen from him. Like every time we see him, <laughs> yeah, it was a running joke. And I, I mean, I thought it, I thought. It, I thought it just built up more of the tension that we eventually get to, you know, at the end, you know, the final confrontation between him and uh, Frank or whatnot. So I th- always thought that that kind of just helped build that along or whatnot. Yeah, I want to see like a, a fan-made short, you know, of uh, Elliot's day, you know, th- this particular day, like post being fired, you know, him trying to go get alcohol and every chance he tries to get that little sip you know like it keeps getting getting uh taken away from him yeah yeah that would been yeah i wouldn't mind saying that who knows what the hell he could probably do it now i mean i mean i don't know what he's doing nowadays but i think he can uh, stand up or something like that don't he? i think he's directing i mean um like one of my favorite movies of his he directed robin williams the uh, world's greatest dad hmm yeah, it's a dark comedy. Really good movie. Uh, really funny. It, really dark too. But um, yeah, worth a check out if you if you guys hadn't seen that movie. But mm-hmm. but Frank, you know, again, we talked about how he's this executive and the way that he is uh, a Scrooge in a sense, you know, because that's basically an adjective nowadays um, because of the actual character Ebenezer. But Frank is consumed by his work. And he's making everybody else work on Christmas Eve as well because they plan on airing this live um, production of A Christmas Carol. Yep. And and he gets visited by his old boss, 
who has died. What do you think about the scene? Because like the effects actually look pretty good uh, with uh, Hayward here, Lee, Lee, Lou Hayward. Yeah, I mean, it's John Forsythe. Um, for anyone who knows who that is, I mean, he's probably best known for being the voice of uh, Charlie of Charlie's Angels. But um, yeah, with him coming to see Frank, I mean, as a kid watching that, it kind of creeped me out because like you say, the makeup on that is really good and... You know, he, he is scary. Plus, he got those dark shades on, so it really adds to it or whatnot. And it's just crazy. But, I I mean, I, I like the scene, and I felt like that scene kind of sets the tone for what the rest of the movie was going to be like. You know? Yeah. It oh Gosh, it was so gross, too, like seeing that the, the golf ball come out of, like, the side of his head. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... With uh, Foresight, because it was, matter of fact, I think it was one of the last, like, big movies that he did, you know, because he was up in age at that time, um, or whatnot, and so it's like, but it's like a, it's a, it's basically a glorified cameo, even though he gets like a high billing in the credits, but it's a glorified cameo, really, so, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I liked, I liked his part in it, even though I wish I would have saw more of him, but I like what we did get to see of him. Now, what what do you take with uh, this scene? Because like Lou tells Frank about the three ghosts that he's going to get visited by, but after this encounter, Frank's phone calls Claire, but goes to a voicemail. Like, wh- why why do you think that the the phone is trying to reach out to her a- after all these years? Be I, well, you know what? Okay, I put it like this. I think because he Frank, I'm talking about Frank basically was still a part of him still was holding on to Claire because he did love her. And I guess that was, that was like the last little bit of, I want to say the old Frank, you know, before he became this huge business executive that was consumed by his work, you know, it was him and Claire. And it's like, even though he became more of that business guy, that little connection to her was still there. So that that's what I took from it. Yeah, perhaps it's something that Lou thinks that if, you know, obviously this, uh, the, the the whole deal with the three ghosts, if that doesn't work out, like at the very least, it's going to be Claire that's going to kind of bring them back down to reality, right? Yeah. Because they, they did once love one another. So uh, let's jump to the ghosts of Christmas past, uh, as you call them, Buster Poindexter? Yeah. Yeah, Mr. Yeah, I, I, yeah, who, yeah, Mr. David Johansson. Who, for the longest, I mean, before I realized who he was, because he's made up and make up too, but for some reason, I always thought that was Joe Piscopo. Don't ask me why, okay. I, I did. I did, yeah, when, like I said, when I was younger, for some reason, I thought that was Joe Piscopo, and then I realized, oh, like, who the hell is David Johansson? <laughs> that's that's why I, when I found out who he was. But um, with him, I mean, I mean, I'll just say this off the bat, that he actually was my favorite of, well, I might as well say of two ghosts because the the third one is not really, a, you know, anything like not really a character. But between him and there's Car- no lines. Yeah, there's no lines there. I mean, him between David Johansson and um, Carol Kane, um, I actually like the Ghost of Christmas Past better. It's just yeah. fun enough how he's over the top because, ironically enough, that character was supposed to be played by Sam Kennison. Right, the uh, the comedian, you know, which uh, I think uh, people our age and up, uh, pro, you know, are a little bit more familiar with him. But the, uh, the 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 taxi driver, that's who the 
Ghost of Christmas Past is. Uh, it takes him back to his childhood, um, back in the mid-50s. And we see a very sad um, uh, cross family, right? You got little Frank, uh, Francis, I think he's called at this at this point in his life. He's sitting in front of the TV. His mom has a bun in the oven, presumably his uh, little brother. You know, she's uh, over there smoking, you know, while Frank is uh, watching watching TV by himself. And it's pretty sad because outside you see that his house is the only one without Christmas lights, and it's Christmas Eve. Yep. I mean, when when you look at his childhood, basically it's like he didn't grow up, you know, in a, I won't say a wealthy, you know, family or whatnot, but he didn't grow up, grow up in even a middle-class type family. I guess his dad was like a, you know, a paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck type of person or whatnot, so he didn't get what a lot of the other kids were getting or anything like that, so... Yeah, he oh, got a veal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, other kids weren't getting no veal. The, their dad was no butcher. No, so, you know, I always took it like that. So, he, like you say, he it was a sad childhood for him. And I guess TV was his only outlet, hence why he ends up becoming a TV executive. So Yeah, and, I mean, not only that, I mean, you, you kind of mentioned it. Like, TV is his outlet. Like, he shares stories with the uh, the taxi driver He's like, well, I did this, you know, I went to prom with with such and such, and the taxi driver calls him out. Like, those are all memories from like TV show episodes, you know. And <laughs> so it was kind of like sad and and funny at the same time, but more so sad because that that's the life that he lived. Like, he has no real life memories except for like these TV episodes that stuck with him. Yeah, he he lived vicariously through the TV shows that he watched, and like you say, that's that's how he basically got through his younger years or whatnot so yeah it, i mean it is sad and, it, and like you said earlier too it's one of those it's it's a it's somewhat of a depressing type movie in certain parts and this part being one of them so yeah because like you know you, we see that uh he has some sort of connection with his mom um obviously because you know she see he well old older frank bill murray you know he watches his mom talk to his younger self and he cries, you know. So one of the first moments that we actually see a bit of humanity in this really cold ass man here, um, and then we uh, kind of fast forward to when he starts working, and it's like in the '60s, and we got good old Tina from Perfect Strangers. Oh no, is it Marianne or is it Tina? I forget. I think it's Marianne, Balky's girlfriend. No, um, not a show you watched. Yeah, well, I mean, I know of Perfect Strangers, but. Characters, uh, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, she was Balky's girlfriend. I remember that much. But she's okay. the, I don't know if she was a secretary, but she was the, you know, the young lady who was like handing out Xerox pictures of her ass. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. Now I know you're talking about. Okay. It's it's funny because now older Frank saw like, man, I would have jumped them bones. But you see like Frank at that time, he was, you know, kind of just focused on working to the top, right? He's like working in the, in the mail room yep. and- and he's the only one not partying at this party at you know at in the office. Yeah, so, Christmas party where he's the only one that's working. <laughs> so. Yeah, so we're already starting to see a little bit here. You know, uh, his work ethics. He's just a, a hard worker. So r- right outside, he meets Claire for the very first time. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about their meeting? Uh, I mean, 
Well, I'm going to say this. Uh, because I'm not a huge Karen Allen fan. So, um, my opinion is a little biased here. But, I mean, I, feel, I didn't have a problem with how they met or anything like that. But it just, whenever I see Karen Allen in a movie, it's almost kind of like, they couldn't have got someone better. Is that, that that's all every well, every time better every, how better <laughs> how <laughs> well i mean i don't have a problem with her as an actress but as far as the looks department is like they couldn't have got someone who looked a little better you know yeah but i mean maybe the talent wasn't there though i mean well, that's, I, true. I, that's I, true yeah i mean like uh she emotes very well she's got you know big bright eyes and yeah she's got a very nice smile she she's got a good look for herself but but obviously look if you got someone a lot prettier do, do you think she'd really fall for bill murray let's be honest let's be honest uh, bill murray is not he, he's not you know t- take away the name that that's not that handsome of a man Th- yeah. that man was balding at like at 18 <laughs> well that is true um but yeah but he, but he got by with his charisma so you know so, okay, but still. But, but I will say this. I will say this. In this movie, I think Karen Allen probably looks her best. I will say that because she did. She 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 kind of she brought a warmth to the to the movie. In a sense. I like that. So yeah, I I, I give it that. I, I try to redeem myself with what I said about Karen Allen. And for anyone who's listening, that's a Karen Allen fan. I'm like I say that's just my opinion on that. But I mean, she's not a ugly woman, but it's just. You know, I mean, it's like the, the the thing was like um in the late seventies, early eighties, I, I guess all the way to the late eighties. In this case, the, the, there were leading women that were just kind of I don't want to say plain Jane, you know, because that sounds terrible, but you know, like uh your Talia Shire, you know, your Margot Kidder, you know, yeah. things like that. It, it it was a thing, you know. I I, um, I, I like how you you threw a, a Superman reference in there with Margot Kidder. I like that. Yeah, I mean, that was hey man, that's that's what I do. But uh but but back to Karen Allen real quick though. I kind of put her performance in this movie kind of up there with her character uh from the uh indie movies. Okay, um, you kind of want to explain a little bit more about it? No, cuz we're talking about Scrooge. <laughs> no, I mean no, I mean for, as far as like her Put presence, you know, oh, okay. like, uh, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, like, um, you know, I, I feel you cast somebody else, they may do just a, a good, a good enough job, but I feel like her presence, like it, it also helps this movie. Like, I, I really buy her and Frank together, just like I buy her and Indy together. No, 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 I give you that. I give you that. Um, especially, especially here with her and uh, Frank, because it's like she saw something in him that a lot of other people didn't and like you say with him yeah. be, with him being a workaholic and everything like that she saw that behind all of that there was a kind and gentle person in there somewhere she she, she and she brought that out in him too so yeah what she really wanted was uh jinsu knives <laughs> 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 so they, they're exchanging gifts uh you know this is a couple years later at the least a couple years two three years later i think it was but uh he gets her some jinsu knives and he mentions that he's never given girls knives before so this was a big deal and you know i feel the 
you know, he's he's clueless, right? This is um this is this is like giving somebody veal. Yeah. Right? She's just kinda like, Oh, not knives, thank you. I <laughs> I totally wanted these. Well, I mean, once again, it goes back to his, you know, childhood or upbringing. Yeah, yeah, he 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 was awkward around, you know, especially women in real life situations because his only interaction probably was through the TV shows that he watched. So this was yeah, this was th- weird for him. Uh, it's funny too because like the TV shows that he watched, it's it's probably the the thing where like the lead is a dork, and so they would do things like that, you know, give awkward gifts. You know, during Valentine's proms, things things of that nature. Yeah, so like like you say, so that's why he was the way he was with her and giving her some ginger knives. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, thanks for the knives, whatever <laughs> type of deal. So they jump a little bit later to uh, a little bit later in Frank's career, where he is playing. Um, what, what what is it the the dog's name I, I forget. Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember the dog's name, but um, the, only, the one thing I remember from that scene is the freaking um, the cab driver, you know, Ghost of Christmas Past. He's just having a ball with that. <laughs> it's so he really ball. is, man. It, he's just like the the other kids, you know, <laughs> and I he sells it too. I really buy him. He uh, steals the scene for sure. Even though he, like I say, he has a small part, and it would have been interesting too if Sam Kennison had played it, because I think he would have played that completely different. I think uh, David Johansson, he kind of brings somewhat of a, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, but because, you know, anyone who knows Sam Kennison or whatnot, how over the top he was, I think that character would have been completely different if he played it, but Johansson, he kind of. He's almost, I mean, I haven't been to New York, so I don't know how, you know, cab drivers are, but it's almost like he was a real, you know, type of cab driver, you know, outgoing and a big personality type. So, but he brings that to him. And like you say, he calls out uh, Frank on his BS in the cab and stuff like that. And he was, he was like, he was real with him, you know, and they had somewhat of a connection. What I like about this scene, it, it's actually not like in a good sense. But it's also really sad because Karen gets the realization that Frank is really into his work because he was invited to a dinner, you know, with the president and they had uh, prior engagements. And um, Frank's like, well, you know, this is a big deal. I'm sorry. You know, this is what I'm going to do. And so Claire decides to break up with him. And he's like, "Okay, well, you know, that's just what you want to do. Clearly, that they've they've got into maybe some bicker here and there before about this very subject, you know, for Claire to kind of you know turn that quick, like yeah, I I think I think we should probably, you know, take a break, and uh, so, so a break they take. So we go back to the uh, present time, you know, after this visit here, and then Frank goes to the homeless shelter to go see Claire in in person you know after this uh i don't know a breakdown he thinks that he has yeah so uh what what do you think about this uh scene at the homeless shelter i mean okay well because 
how, how long had it been? Cause how long had had it been since he had seen her last? I'm trying to remember. I don't, I don't know if they mentioned that or whatnot. So when he goes, you know, when they have to go to the past or whatnot, it's like it was almost the first time he had seen her in a long time, even though it was in the past. He hadn't seen her in a while, so it's like, oh, Claire. So I have to go see Claire. And then when he goes visit her at the homeless shelter, he's, I guess he's trying to be nice or whatnot, but I mean, it, it is what it, I mean, well, I'm trying to think exactly how. Yeah, it's, I mean, th- this is, I, I don't, I don't want to say, okay, saying my least favorite is, is okay, I, I think. It's not that I feel it wasn't needed. It was it was definitely needed, but it's just the the way it was executed, you know, was a, a little sloppy for me, or maybe the pacing of well, it. Well, and let me ask you this: Maybe Do the you dialogue think that with that scene that they were trying to, and I'm talking about from the, like for the movie standpoint. Do you think they were trying to recreate their first encounter, but just from a more familiar familiarity? If I can say that word correctly, um, with them, you know, him going to see her the second time. Mm. If that was the case, that was yeah. I I didn't see see the parallels at all, mm-hmm. you know, um, because like when they met, you know, they they bumped heads. It was cute, and then they went out for Chinese food, which he was very reluctant to go. Uh, but in this scene, you know, he's greeted by, you know, um, the Fratelli mother, you know, from Goonies, also yeah. a Richard Donner joint. And they ask him to like do like some Hamlet or maybe not Hamlet, but some Shakespeare, you know, and he, uh, uh, I think he kind of impersonates like, well, not impersonates, but he, uh, was it? Oh, does an impression of like a, like an actor, do, you know, reciting some lines or something like that. So, I mean, the episode was fine, but what, the reason why it's like one of my least favorite scenes is how Frank was so quick to show up to this shelter, talk to Claire, and it seems as though like he started to kind of to come around a little bit, but then like the, um, the, those volunteers who are like, Hey, the, the turkey's not here and, and all these things. And Frank's like, fire them. You know, they're they're no good, you know, and all this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, wow, that's a complete 180. Like, you know, it, it was just too a little too extreme for me, you know, the way the, the way Frank was played. You think it was, like, too much going on in that scene? Yeah, maybe not too much. I, I think it was fine, but it was just Frank's character, I, I, hmm. I feel. Well, okay, well, I'm going to throw this in there. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but... Bill Murray and Richard Donner did not get along during the making of this movie. Yeah, so, I, I read something like that, but you know, I, 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 as I understand it, Bill Murray's just not easy to work with, like at all. Yeah, I've I heard mean, that too. The man did take a four-year hiatus uh, before filming this movie, which the last movie he did was Ghostbusters. Yep. And not only that, I can see how you know there could have been some tension on set because. This movie was filmed kind of sandwiched in between Lethal Weapon 1 and 2, I think it was. Yep. So So, I'm going to chalk it up to that. I mean, I I think that's just kind of like, hey, check this out. You know, like, "Eh, but but I I, I just, it it makes sense to me. Okay. No, because I I was going to say maybe Bill Murray was kind of maybe not really putting on a performance of 
per se Richard Donner himself or whatnot in that scene. And he was doing it on purpose just to irritate him or something like that. I don't know. but That could be I, it, you know, because if they didn't have like too much uh, shooting time, like Bill Murray was just doing whatever the hell he wanted, it's like, well, I mean, Dick, either you're going to edit this down or you're just going to take it as is. I'm, I'm going to do me. Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, I, I can see that. Uh, all right, let's 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 jump uh, over to, let's see here. Do we want to go to uh, the, the present? Let, let's go to the Christmas present where we meet Carol Kane. You know, she's very abusive when they first meet. You know, this cute, this cute little thing. She's got a little voice, but she's got, you know, she's feisty, right? She's got yeah, some she, fight in her. She beats the head off She really does. It's a pretty funny scene. And she takes them over to uh, Claire... No, not Claire. I'm sorry. Grace. Grace's family's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would you think about that scene there? We kind of see this uh, Grace and her family, her kids. You know, it's just like an average family on a Christmas Eve. Yeah. And because of the fact that she has to work on Christmas Eve, I mean, that kind of brings a little tension, I thought, to her family and her son. You know, he he's basically like the... I want to say tiny Tim to some degree. Um, But you could almost kind of see somewhat parallels between Grace's family and Frank's upbringing in a a way. Uh, And I think that had a lot to do with what that scene was trying to represent there. Yeah. And, but also, you know, we find out the backstory as to why little, what's his name? Calvin. Yeah. Yeah. Why he doesn't talk. You know, he witnessed his father get killed. And so just a very sad story, you know. And um, also we find out that Frank is, you know, a, a pretty shitty boss that he didn't even know, you know, that she had lost her husband. And he thought that, you know, the the, the year that she wore black was just like it was a trend or something, <laughs> you know. So once again, that tells you just how much he was into his work that he don't realize, you know, you know his um his employees are having personal issues and right. and that's something that we all can kind of relate to where you know where you could be going through something and then you know your boss or whoever they they don't understand why you're probably feeling the way you're feeling about certain things and because all they care about is well you're here to do your job or whatnot but not realizing you know when you're not at you know at wherever your work is you have a life and you go through ups and downs as well. And sometimes it carries over to, you know, your work, even though they always say you're not supposed to, but sometimes it does. Yeah. Sometimes it really does. And I'm thinking like this guy was just so into his work that she probably requested bereavement and was denied or something. So yeah, pretty sad. Probably he, he, no, okay. Going into the mind of Frank, you know, the, the uh, workaholic, he probably was like, uh, uh, she probably just wants she just wants to take some time off. She really doesn't want to work or whatnot, so she's making up something or whatnot. So, but you know, we say all this, but when they are together, she seems to be the only one that can take his shit too. You know, like she's the only one that uh, like when, when she talks to him, the way she reacts when he talks to her, mm-hmm. like they they've clearly have been together for a long time. You know, as 
as boss and secretary. Like I, I buy that relationship, and you know she she does what she wants. You know the uh, we're about to get into the scene here, but earlier when she was going down the list of like, all right, what gifts do you want to give to these people? He's like, give them all towels. Give yourself a towel too. <laughs> you know she took it upon herself to actually send his brother a top of the line VCR. You know, so we are watching the actual Murray brothers in this scene here. And what do you think about the the little brother? Um, I call him little, but, you know, he's just younger than Frank's character. Yeah. But they're sitting around and uh, James's fiance, I, I, I don't know her exact relationship to him, but she's like, oh, you know, you invited your brother. When are you ever going to learn? He, he never makes it. You know, but James is just like, but, but that's my brother, you know? I mean, I can somewhat relate to that in a degree. I won't, I won't go too in-depth into that, but that scene for me was somewhat of a, something that kind of hit home in a sense. Um, so, I like I said, I could relate to it. And I thought, I thought it was a pretty good scene or whatnot, even though that brother of the younger Murray... I mean, I don't think he's been in a whole too much, you know, a lot of stuff, but I thought he played that scene very well. Yeah, this this scene I really like because it's a little somber, but for me, James is a grown man. Like, how old do you think he is, like 30? At the time, yeah. But you got to remember, in the 80s, they, they looked at, real old but you know he, he could have been about 30 yeah he could have been 30 or maybe you know like late 20s I, I wanna, I wanna oh okay it. i i thought you might have gone even older but okay no, no, yeah no, no, i'll no, buy no, that no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Say, you know like I'll 28 say, like, yeah, 20, something like yeah that. something like that yeah so, i'll buy that okay yeah. yeah so so he's a grown-ass man the way he speaks about frank there obviously he thinks uh, he thinks highly of frank despite how you know, consumed into his work he is, right? I feel that what we get from James's character is that Frank was a great big brother growing up. Like, he got his back, you know, um, yeah. when the parents were around, more so the father, maybe Frank was more of the father figure. That, that's that's why he loves Frank so much, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's why he continues to invite Frank over. So, obviously, as a kid watching this movie, I, I never... I never really thought about it, but I am an older brother myself who very much like Frank is always working and my mm-hmm. siblings, they are very happy to see me when I do get to come around. So, so I, I really like the scene and yeah. you know, I, I, I kind of like that. So yeah. that's my head cannon anyway. Um, was there any, anywhere else they visited? Oh, uh, Herman. Herman yes. under, yes. Yeah, under Michael the J. Trump Towers. <laughs> yeah, Michael J. Pollard. Yeah, who, who's always playing. They, they gotta drop that J, man. I'm always thinking of Michael J. Fox every time I hear that name. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Canadian. <laughs> what was crazy about I me? Mean, I think matter of fact, he's an he's an Oscar nominated actor too, Michael J. Pollard. Yeah. Well, he he was good in this one. He has a very unique look. Uh, yeah, yeah, well. he's. All, I mean, he he's one of those character actors that you know he can fill any type of role. But here, yeah, I mean, and I have to admit, I almost. I remember one time watching this, and I never forget this. And in, in regards to his character, it's like later on, especially. I mean, I can kind of jump to it, but when Frank uh, sees him, you know, dead, 
and everything, right? And I remember one time, just see, I don't know, for some reason, seeing him sitting there frozen, I almost started crying. <laughs> I don't Man, know he what. Just, he's just doing the mannequin challenge. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know why, but it's just something about his character just seemed authentic. For some reason, I I don't know. It's just the way he. I don't know if it's how he played it or whatnot. And just like when you come back around, it's like I almost felt like Frank. You know, you know, sad that, and I never forget that. That's that's one of the things about this movie that kind of, not I won't say bothered me, but it's just the fact that, like I said, it hits me in the feelings for some reason. Like I can really relate to a lot of the stuff that actually happened in this movie. So. I mean, it, it could be like you know we saw how Frank treated him earlier when he was just asking for a couple of bucks. And then this man goes and crawls under like the, you know, the sewers, and he's just sitting there, just trying to find a place to stay. I don't, I don't know what happened at the shelter, but this yeah. is where he ends up, and he is dead. Yeah, hey, freeze, uh, freezes, freezes out in the cold. Very, yeah, freezes out there in the cold, and Frank obviously he kind of, you know, uh, with in very little words, he, you know, this is his, this is Frank's fault. Yeah, it really is, and like I say, you know, later in the movie, it it. It's like it hits, it, it finally hits him when he sees him that this was his fault. He was the reason that this happened. So, yeah. All right. So, we, um, let's, let's jump over to the, the future. You know, it's very brief. You know, he is greeted by, um, by death, you know, the Grim Reaper. Yeah, but before b- before he goes to the future, this is one of my favorite scenes. This is where uh, Elliot Laudermann Lauder- <laughs> shows back up, <laughs> shows up with a double barrel rifle yes. singing. Honey, I'm home! Oh boy. No, no, me, boss! Yeah, you can the day before Christmas. Merry Christmas! Hello, rabbit. Ah. Would you give me a running start? Sure. I love him in, in here. And like the way he uh, talks about how his wife just left him and took the kids, like that whole line, it was uh, it was well delivered. And at this point, somehow he was able to sneak a drink, you know, uh, off screen. Finally got that drink. And he finally did. And he, and he just, he just let loose. Well, he was, he was about to. And then that's when death <laughs> shows up, which I like how they did that actually, because it, you know, yeah, we're gonna talk about the future and say, but I like how that kind of circles around in a way. You know, it kind of bookmarks in a, in a sense. But yeah, I mean, when he shows back up, I'm like, yep, that's the Bobcat I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's it. That, that's why you get this guy, this actor. Because it's like, okay, yeah, we go, we gonna let him be reserved for a while, but we're gonna let him let loose later, and he do let loose. 
just you know shooting up the place and all that. But but um, as far as the de- I would say that like I said with death, I didn't I didn't really because it wasn't a character. I wish they would have actually had a character you know for death. Uh, and I don't know why they went that route or anything like that. But I kind of wish they would have had a character for death. I mean, if, if Bill and Ted can do it, why can't why couldn't um. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, what well that, that, that was that was an actual character, though. But exactly. um, I, I don't know. Maybe in this one, they just spent a little bit more time, like on the aesthetics of uh, like under the robe, you know. And they're just like, well, well, you know, let's not have them talk. I don't know. But they go into the future, yep. and it's very short. Uh, again, the Grim Reaper doesn't say anything. But what do you take from this future? This this is a possible future, or is this what is going to happen if Frank doesn't change? Um, to best sum this up, I think that this was where his life would have spewed into a tangent. Yeah, yeah. I, I put it like this. Line. So, so, yeah. so it, it, uh, it basically, I looked at it as a possible future for him. If he would have continued on the path that he was on, that would have been his future you know yeah no, no one's know, there you know to see him you know get cremated so basically uh, he gave claire some word, words of uh, wisdom and now she is a rich snob of sorts yep. uh she she did something with her life and she looks to be uh, pretty well off but she does not look happy and not because frank's dead but she just doesn't look content with life and the only people that are at Frank's funeral is his brother and his brother's wife. So yeah, yep. that's uh, pretty sad. And and, and, he's, and he's in a freaking pine box. Yeah, yeah lone pine box. <laughs> not, 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 a, not a not a not a you know not a, you know not like a you know good coffin or whatnot. Just just a freaking pine box. <laughs> but that scene always trips me out though. When he's standing there, you know, when they started going towards the. Um, you know, thing down the belt, and you know he's he's trying to stop it, and then next thing you know he's inside. The, it's like what the hell? It's like you know he's tripping out. He's in there kicking and screaming, and uh, you know I want to live. <laughs> I want to live, which I always loved. That yeah, it, it was definitely yeah. something like a a wake up call for him, right? So yeah, it, that that was that was his um moment of clarity. Yeah. Sense. So Frank, you know, returns to reality, uh, a changed man. And runs into Elliot. He's like, hey, I'm going to hire you back. I'm going to triple your salary. You, you like my office? I'm going to give you my office. <laughs> and, and I love Elliot. He's just like, no, nah, nah, it's cool. You know, I don't I don't really like your office. <laughs> you know, so he's just being truthful, man. That's, that's his character. Even though, like, Frank t- had taken the gun back from him at that point, the uh, the shotgun. Yep. So uh, so that was a good scene. But I thought it was really interesting. Put Put yourself in Elliot's shoes. Your boss, who you were just trying to shoot, goes into the elevator. Comes back and does a one eighty on you, like something suspicious, right? Yeah, you you like because well, I mean Bobcat kind of gave him that look, like what the hell, like uh, I was just trying to like, kill you. Let me get sudden, what you just had in the elevator. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, what what the hell just happened? They didn't give him a big kiss and right. all that, and it's like, <laughs> and then he, he kind of throw him around and everything, and I mean he just. He has, a, like you say, he has a new lease on life and moment, his moment of clarity. And he just, he, I guess he becomes the Frank that he always wanted to be. But I guess he couldn't feel he could be that person in order to get where he got in life. 
So yeah, so you know the movie ends with him kind of taking over the uh, the live production of a Christmas Carol, where he knows. Yeah, it's not like Bill Murray. Yeah, it it really does, <laughs> you know. So he's talking about like how he knows that he's probably going to get fired the next day, and then like uh, gives Claire a shout out on live TV, so she shows up. And I like how she runs outside to get a cab, uh, to get a taxi, and she's like, "Hey, can you take me over to this building?" He's like, "Which floor?" <laughs> so I've always liked that too. Like, not only can I get you there, but which floor do you want to get there? Because I'll get you there too. Um, mm-hmm. So that was a good line. Uh, but yeah, it, the movie wraps up with this long, elaborate speech that he gave, which people still can't figure out if he ad-libbed it, was it scripted, because it's just so well done, but it's just so earned. He talks about how people just need to be, you know, just a little bit nicer uh, to one another, not just on Christmas, but, you know, every day. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it was a mix of both. I, I think there was some scripted lines, but I think, um, Bill Murray was allowed to ad lib, you know, kind of or whatnot, do it because, like you say, it do it is very, it's a very good speech. Cause that scene goes on for like what, almost like ten minutes or what, something like oh, that. Oh, I, I was thinking like sixty minutes. I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's long, but but it's entertaining yeah. watching him because he's kissing like this one girl. Like he really, you know, he really kisses this one girl. You know, and he and has the and he has the whole he has the whole cast of production that they just there surrounded and yeah and um, he John just interacts Glover, with most of them too yeah yeah and you know he's he's all he kind of panics at first but he was like okay just you know just you know keep it on following him or whatnot you know and everything so but it, I mean the ending of this movie is one of my favorites because like it's, it's Bill Murray showing showcasing his talent in a sense of how he is as far you know because he is a charismatic. Dude, I mean, we talked about, you know, him probably being hard to work with, especially like in recent years, her stories about how he is or whatnot. But from a talent standpoint, we get in that scene alone, we get to see why Bill Murray has a lot of fans, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One of the things I didn't mention, like throughout this movie, that there's this uh, censor lady, you know, that uh, is kind of like overseeing things and she keeps like getting hit and. Uh, hit by things, and you'll see her like in a cast or bandages wrapped around her head. So that's a uh, nice physical comedy. Wasn't that um, uh, the psychiatrist from Lethal Weapon? It, it could, you know what? It, it was because she, she is because she's in this movie. Um, but I can't remember exactly what character she played. Oh, which no, wait a minute, was that her? Shoot, I can't remember now. Jesus. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I do know that Grace's oldest son was one of the uh, Murtaugh kids in, in the Lethal Weapon movies. That's right. And so. also, also too, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the, well, he was in Lethal Weapon 2 as the carpenter. But he's in this remember. as a carpenter. I haven't seen okay. those movies in like 10 years. Wow. I own okay. them all on Blu-ray, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, I mean, because I know that you know there's there's quite a few people that from the first Lethal Weapon and the second Lethal Weapon that's in this movie, and the fact that this movie is nestled right in between both of those, like, hmm, okay, yeah, makes I sense. Mean, it, it really does. Uh, he's just lazy. He's like, hey, I, I got you guys here. You know, why don't you just play different characters in this other movie I'm directing? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, there you go. That's pretty much it. But um, but I mean. We we can't go without saying the fact that now I do think that he ad libbed the 
feed me, Seymour, feed me. I do believe he, he ad-libbed that because for anyone who knows, he was in Little Shop of Horrors. So. I've never seen it, so. Wait, 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 wait. you never seen Little Shop of Horrors? No. I know Rick Moranis is in it, right? Yeah, Rick Moranis is in it. Yeah, Steve Martin is in I, it. I, I used Bill. to uh, put the cover box back at Blockbuster. <laughs> that's that's how I <laughs> know this. Yeah, I'm oh like, you know that I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you never seen Little Shop of Horrors. No, the, the, you know, the, there's a lot of movies I still haven't seen. So I mean, there's a lot of movies. If I wasn't exposed to it, I, I just I, I never saw it. So I mean, I mean, it's not one that I watch all the time because that movie still creep me out. I mean, it's a giant. Um, man eating plant, but it, it creeps me out still. But at the same time, yeah. But yeah, uh-huh. he 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 says that line. He says that line at the end, and I always I always kind of laugh because it's it's very it's a reference to the fact that he was in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, a little inside joke there, obviously. Yeah. So, um, of all the different characters, cameos, uh, you know, or regular uh, characters or what have you, who are some of your favorite characters, or why don't you just narrow it down to one? Who is your favorite side character that's not part of the main cast? My favorite side character? I, I, I have to go with, even though, like I say, even though we don't get a lot of him, but um, John Forsythe's uh, Lou um, Hayward. Okay. Yeah. Although, I, like I say, just something about that character I like. He, he, he looked cool even as a, as a zombie. <laughs> they just looked cool. Yeah, it was, it was good good effects for that time, especially they didn't have, you know, like w- what we have now, you know, where most zombies actually look alike. So they were definitely going with something that was a little bit more dried up, you know, been sitting out in the sun on the golf course or something like that. Uh, yeah. For me, you know, if it wasn't, okay, well, I, I guess he's not really part of the main cast, but I'd have, it's a toss up for me, but I think I'm going to give it to Elliot Loudermilk. And if not him, it would have been the ghost of Christmas past. You know, those two, uh, really work for me. I think they're both hilarious. Um, David Joy Hansen's scene, it's a bone. You know, like I just. <laughs> and he's just over the top of this scene. Not over the top, man. He's just like one of the kids. He's just like one of the kids. You know, so uh, Sam Kinison, you know, he would have, you know, he probably would have played it like, uh, like irritated. You know, he, he probably wouldn't have even been laughing along, I don't think. But um, yeah, so that concludes our review of uh, the 1988 Scrooge. So, Jay, do you want to get into uh, ratings? Yeah, uh, let's see. We're doing uh, one to five here. One to five. Um, uh, let's see. On a scale of one to five, I would give it a... I'd give it a... I'd give it a three. Really? So, okay. Yeah, it's a, it's oh, a wow. three. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. like I said, even, even though I, I like it as much or whatnot, but there are a few... And I think it brings it down for me a little bit because of some of the bleakness and some of the scenes. It kind of brings it down. It's not a full. So, yeah. So it's a three. All right. Well, I'm going to give it a five, man. I love this movie. Uh, watching it for this review, I was like, God, this is so good. I I just forgot how good it was. And I don't know why I didn't watch it, uh, why I don't watch it often enough. I mean, like I told you, like I, I went out and bought this movie, you know, and I was like, yeah, it's got to be in Blu-ray. But uh 
Will it make it into my annual rotation? Well, not even some of my favorites make it into the annual rotation, but nonetheless, I want to watch this a little bit more often than I have in previous years. But、uh, Bill Murray, you know, does a great job even after taking a four-year hiatus. You got so many、uh, smaller characters that really bring it. You know,、um, both the speaking ghosts. You know, they have. Uh, great lines in here. Elliot Loudermilk's a great character. Alfre Woodard, like she's good in everything she does. You know, she、yeah. plays the the secretary here. So,、um, yeah, it's great all around. You know, you if you're a fan of a Christmas Carol, this this is it. You know, it, you got the、uh, Tiny Tim at the end where he finally speaks. You know,、uh, Grace's son. So、yeah. it, it's got everything. You know, we as podcasters, you know, I think we can relate to a guy. Who works his ass off like all the time, watches movies and TVs, right? This is、yeah. us. This is us. Frank is us.、Um, at, at at least me, you know. I I, I feel like I'm on a pettiness level of、uh, that of Frank Cross, who this man also has a cross at the definition of it, like in his in his office, you know. So.、Yeah. Uh, That, that's why I feel like we can relate to this character because it's it is modernized. You think about all the other Christmas Carol movies that are called a Christmas Carol; they're all from back in the day when the movie is actually set or the story、yep. is actually set. So this、yep. is the only modern day taking.、Uh, I mean, aside from like TV shows and other movies that aren't as good, they just they don't have this element of. You know the TV exec, I, I think, and that's why this is a little bit different for us. Well, you know, you know、uh, that that movie with Matthew McConaughey is somewhat of a reimagining telling a ghost of girlfriends past. Yeah, that, yeah so- that, that's, we're gonna forget that one happened. <laughs> <laughs> that was hey, garbage. Said, yeah, it, it is, but I mean, I, I still I watched it. Not. Yeah, I, yeah, I watched it too. <laughs> but, I watched but, it too. But but yeah, no, I agree. I agree that this is of the, the you know the Ebenezer Scrooge you know Christmas Carol type story. This is the only modernized version of it, like you said. So yeah, and I mean, like I said, even though I gave it a three, but like I said, it's pr- probably more so because I kind of see some of Frank in myself. <laughs> so. It kind of pissed me off a little bit, but、um, <laughs> not saying that I'm a nasty, you know, type of TV executive, but、um, I am somewhat of a workaholic and stuff like that. So,、um, I like I, said, I see a little parallels in in my personality with Frank. All right, so yeah,、uh, listeners, if you guys have any thoughts,、uh, you know, you can email in or tweet at me or us actually. On、uh, Twitter, and just tell us what you think about our review, or what you thought about Scrooge, or if you have a history with it. But Jay, where can the listeners find you and talk a little bit about、uh, the different shows that you do? Um, you can check me out on Twitter at Jay Movie Talk. Um, like I say, I post a lot on there as far as my um episodes and different things on there. Also, you can check me out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher.、Uh, Jay Movie Talk. Um, check out my episodes.、Um, I've kind of been on a, a couple of week hiatus.、Um, I just haven't been recording.、Uh, so actually, this is the first podcast that I'm doing of a movie、um, in a couple of weeks.、Um, so yeah, so like I said, you can definitely check me out. You know those、um, outlets. All right, and for me,、uh, 
if anyone missed uh, last week's episode where I reviewed Rogue One, I also mentioned that in the new year, uh, expect some changes. You know, with the new year, we're going to get a new uh, logo or cover art, whatever you want to call it. We're going to get a new podcast title. And as long as you're subscribed to it, it'll be a seamless transition. We're going to have a new network. All those details will be coming in the new year. So please subscribe. Uh, that way you'll get the new updates and you won't even notice the difference. All those changes, but still the same guy. And I mean, hopefully you like me enough to continue listening. But, uh, you know, we're going to do some tweaks here and there to the format. You know, we're not going to stick with just movies we grew up watching. We're going to do you know, good movies that are still around, you know, that are kind of worth looking back at as well. So if you want to reach me on Twitter uh, at this moment, you can reach me at HLF Podcast, which uh, that will eventually change. But you can probably still search the uh, that Twitter name because it'll be in the profile at least. And if you want to email in HLFpodcast at gmail.com, you can just shoot me an email there. And yeah, please leave me an iTunes review uh, on iTunes or maybe a review on Stitcher, Google Play Music, however you listen to this show. That's really going to help help us out and, you know, it'll keep us visible in all all of the searches. So um, that's all I got. So, Jay, yeah, thanks again. You know, obviously you'll be back uh, in the future, you know, for some other movies. Uh, We still need to do Young Guns 2. You know, because we yeah, did Young yeah, Guns did. 1. Yeah, so, so yeah, look forward to that sometime in the near future. So until the next time, for Jay, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level 4. Peace.